2: I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Steve Grosso, and Bono and Eisen. Tonight on Fast, we are tracking the after-hours action, Alphabet, Amazon, and Chipotle. All three stocks on the move after reporting results. We'll break down the Fast Money trade straight ahead, plus break out your rally caps. Wall Street just handed in its best day since November. Find out how our traders are playing today's pop. And later, the YOLO trade goes bust. GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, all getting back down to earth today. So did we just witness the last stand in the Reddit rebellion? One of our traders says, not even close. More on that straight ahead. But we start off with a bombshell out of Amazon. Founder Jeff Bezos is stepping down as CEO. He will become the company's executive chairman. The stock? Higher in the after hour session, Uh, let's get straight to Deidre Bosa with the details. Debo.
3: Melissa, bombshell indeed. Bezos handing over the reins after Amazon's strongest year in terms of revenue and profitability. But this is also a challenging time for the company. It's facing labor issues as its workforce surpassed a million employees last year. And, of course, there's antitrust scrutiny, which isn't expected to go anywhere. In fact, just after the news broke, Republican Representative Ken Buck tweeting out Quote, I have some questions for Mr. Jassy. He has, of course, been a key voice in tech antitrust debates. Now, I just asked Amazon CFO Brian Olszewski what we might expect from a Jassy-led Amazon. And he said that Andy brings his own skill set. He's a visionary leader in his own right. And he understands what makes Amazon such a special, innovative place. Olszewski also said that investors can expect a lot of continuity because Jeff Bezos will still be very involved and he will have input on new businesses and product lines. Remember, too, that Bezos is still Amazon's largest shareholder, so he's not exactly retiring here. Now, the timing of the announcement may come as a surprise, Melissa, but... Certainly not the man who is tapped to take over. Andy Jassy has been at the company almost as long as Bezos. And he pioneered the cloud computing business years before rivals like Google and Microsoft even got started. Now, in a memo to employees, Bezos writes that Jassy will, quote, be an outstanding leader and he has my full confidence. Now, as for earnings, which was certainly overshadowed by that announcement, they were very strong indeed. Interestingly, though, Jassy The cloud chief, he will be taking over as AWS growth is decelerating and as online sales growth, both North America and international, they're actually growing at a quicker pace then AWS.
2: Melissa, back to you. All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa, the stock is at 1% right now. Guy Adami, it's, it's interesting to see what the initial reaction is in terms of the analyst community, because so many people are saying, you know what, this is going to be the smoothest transition you have ever seen. So is this the biggest <laughs> news story with the least amount of impact that we have seen in a long time?
4: It's exa- I think that's a- it's a huge story, no question about it. We should be talking about it. I think if this happened five years ago, it would be a much different story in terms of the way the stock is trading. I'm surprised the stock isn't significantly higher than it is now. And I do think this is going to be a bit of a seamless transition. Not that I knew, and I don't think anybody knew anything, but there has been talk about this for a while, so I don't think it's taking anybody uh, by that much of a surprise. But you just look at the numbers quickly. Uh, revenue at the higher end of guidance, but operating income, beat the higher end of guidance, which is extraordinary if you ask me. They also gave you first quarter guidance, operating margins north at 6 percent. This stock should be testing, again in my opinion, the highs we saw back in September, I think September 2nd at 3550 or thereabouts.
2: You think, just to clarify, you think the stock should be higher because of the results and not because, because of, of the results.
4: Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the results. Sure. So I, understand, I I get what's going on here, but I think the market's going to realize that you know, five years ago, big story today, not nearly as big.
2: I mean, Bezos is leaving an Amazon that is in very good shape at this moment in time. And, and one might even argue that perhaps the pandemic accelerated the time frame um, for Jeff Bezos to step down and move into this role, Tim, because usually you do want to leave a company at a good place in time for a very smooth transition. Here we are. Here it is.
5: It it, it accelerated uh, also the trends in e-commerce that Mm -hmm. Amazon was already way ahead of and and has only punctuated that. And and I I think, you know, the the move to e-commerce in the United States has helped a lot of other people. Guess what? It's helped Amazon more than anyone in in COVID. And so the fact this isn't a news story is a testament to how Amazon really has institutionalized their business. And investments that Amazon made in logistics and procurement and ERP and, and fulfillment well before anyone even thought of doing these things. So there is, uh, I think, an institution that is Amazon there. And I think we understand that as consumers. Uh, and therefore, um, I, 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 yes, I think this isn't a non-event, but I, I think transition was expected. Um, I, you know, I got a chance to read the, the letter to employees that Jeff Bezos sent around. And his point was, we, we, he thinks you know, Amazon has been the most inventive company uh, of this time and that he's leaving at a time when they're as innovative as they've ever been right now. So um, I don't think you're going to skip a beat. Everyone's talked uh, in superlatives about Andy Jassy. They should. Um, Everybody knows that he's been a major, major part of the success. Remember, why does Amazon get their multiple? It's probably been AWS.
2: Yes. I mean, I think for the most part, until maybe the pandemic, maybe the e-commerce part of it played a role as well in terms of where we are now um bonoin elevating the cloud boss does that make you more confident that the company will i don't know invest more in the cloud area does that change the calculus at all i mean it seems like amazon treated the cloud business as very important because it is that's the source of their growth even if it's not the biggest percentage of their revenue
1: uh, they certainly have, but I think this is definitely a nod to just that, right? I think re- any time you have a transition, you know, there's going to be questions, and I think it kind of removes a certain layer of opaqueness and quite succinctly states, listen, this is going to continue to be a focus for us. Um, Listen, I I think we can talk about superlatives in terms of revenue growth and profitability, and ultimately what we've been looking from all of these companies is profitable growth. What I'll say is I'll add to that, when, when you have a company that has key man risk and is able to kind of put in place a transition that allows for a smooth handoff power and um, focus of where core components are going to be, I think they have nailed this across the board.
2: Grasso, should uh, Microsoft's Azure, should Google, should any of these cloud players be worried that the cloud boss now runs the entire company?
6: Well, AWS is 60% of the operating profit. And when you look at this, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I take the other side. I'm not sure why the stock isn't down dramatically. I know that this was expected. But when you look at a chart, Amazon hasn't done anything since September. And I think that when you're going forward, the comps for the next quarter and the quarter after are extremely high. So given that, I, I agree with everything that everyone has said on the, on the panel about moving towards a more technology-based. But it, it's a little too contrived. When you have uh, Jeff Bezos saying that he's going to be new product and innovation, that to me seems as though they're trying to hold on to the bullish scenario, but they don't want to take the bearish scenario along with it. So I think in the next couple of days, you'll probably see the stock lower than where it is now. But I agree with Guy none of the fundamentals have come into play today. It's all about the headline.
2: Stock is up almost 2% right now. Let's bring in Fast Money friend Gene Munster, founder of Loop Ventures. Gene, what's your take?
7: I'm having a case of bad case of deja vu here, Melissa. I feel like every quarter Amazon has a great quarter even before (laughs) the last nine months. And Uh, We keep coming back to, is this sustainable? The comps are getting more difficult. Their guidance, you have to put it through some sort of a conversion calculator here. Their guidance for March implies 13% revenue upside to where the street was at. So things are going phenomenally well for the company. And I think what is anchored in this stage, we're going to continue to have these conversations. And the reason the conversation about another good quarter from Amazon is that e-commerce is still a small part of what we buy. It's still it's jumped from 11 to 15 percent through the pandemic. I mean, that's a 50 percent increase. So it's up massive. But eventually this is going to be 60 percent of what we buy. We're going to buy online. And so uh, it's some of those some of these trends are really hard to wrap our heads around. But I think that is the anchoring piece is we're seeing this accelerating digital transformation, Amazon's got a pole position.
2: You have not mentioned Jeff Bezos stepping down into the executive chairman role. For a reason, Gene, I imagine. You don't think this is a big deal?
7: I think uh, it's uh, it's not a big deal. I think that a lot's been said about this. Uh, I don't know, Andy, so I I can't weigh in on uh, whether this is uh, good or not good. I think that there is a, a bigger story here too about these tech behemoths and how they think about transition of power. And I think if you look at uh, uh, just uh, a nod to Steve Jobs here, I mean, he set the playbook in motion with Tim Cook. And uh, here we have uh, somebody who's been and he's been with Amazon for 25 years and the baton is getting passed. And then you start to ask yourself some other questions. My mind drifted to who's next. And, you know, Tim Cook, 60. Elon Musk is 49. If you're curious, Zuckerberg, I think he's 36. Uh, And what are those companies doing to to promote a transition? So when inevitably those happen, we have the same conversation that we're having today, which is this is a non-event.
2: I I think that's a really good point there. So, Gene, of the companies that you had mentioned, is there a company where you do not see the clear heir apparent? I mean, I think many people thought Andy Jassy was the heir apparent, particularly when they lost another top lieutenant. And they thought, you know what, Jassy's got to be promoted at some point soon. Otherwise, he's going to leave soon, too. So which company do you think could be at risk?
7: I don't think there's a clear air to at uh, Facebook. I don't think there is with Tesla. Uh, as I mentioned, Elon is 49, so I think he's uh, got another five plus years. He just recently made a comment on their earnings call that he has uh, five kind of years plus there. Uh, but to answer your question, I think maybe answering your question in a slightly different way, who is really well-prepared? Not surprisingly, Apple is. I mean, this company runs with Laser Precision, and uh, Jeff Williams joined Apple in 1998, so to over 20 years now with the company. He's not that much younger than Tim Cook. He's 57, but I think that he is, uh, in my view, the heir pair to Apple. And then the question, when's Tim Cook leaving? Uh, I would say five to 10 years from now. It's a long ways away.
2: Okay. And then um, the call is going to get underway, Gene, in about 20 minutes. So we're going to let you go. But you know, at this point, what would be your number one question on this call?
7: My number one question is just around the cost of uh, that they're going to be investing in logistics, just to get our heads around that. This is uh, quickly becoming a logistics company. I know there's a view that this is a software and reoccurring revenue business, but Amazon does logistics so well. And I think it's important for investors just to understand what that CapEx is going to be in the years ahead.
2: All right, Gene, good to see you. We'll check in with you a little bit later on after the call gets underway. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Thank you. Um, guy, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was an interesting point in terms of who else out there might not have an heir apparent. It's kind of, I mean, if you think about Facebook and Tesla, that could be a major crisis if we, if we find that these CEOs are out at some of the biggest tech companies out there.
4: Yeah, but the, given what Gene said, and given both those gentlemen's age, I don't think it's anytime soon. So it's probably a five to eight-year window, and you know who knows who emerges uh, over the next few years to sort of take the stewardship there. So I don't, I don't, again, I don't think it's a big deal. I think this would have been a big deal six, seven years ago for Amazon. I don't think it's a big deal now. I, I'm sure there are people that are concerned, but you just look at the quarter, um, just some of those metrics, and then look at the guidance. I mean, look at the operating margin guidance for next quarter. Again, I think it should be higher. We'll see. I think it tests that September high, 35.50, and then we'll chat if and when it gets there.
2: All right, let's move on to Alphabet here. That stock is uh, sharply higher in the after-hours session on the back of results. The company's call is now underway. Let's get to Josh Lifton with more on this quarter. Josh.
8: So, Melissa, remember heading into this print, that stock had already rallied about 20 percent over the past three months. Year to date, it was up about 10 percent, so it was already far outperforming the tech sector and the broad gauge. And now in the after-hours, you see surging higher. I did talk to CFO Ruth Porat about the trends and themes she saw in the quarter. She talked about the increase in advertiser activity blocking budget, she said, that had been paused early in the year. Talked about particular strength in search and YouTube, the bump in consumer online activity. We also did talk about the cloud segment. Revenue there of about 50 percent. Business did lose about a billion dollars in the quarter. I asked Ruth Port about the path to profitability for that segment. She simply said, listen, they're in investment mode. They are spending on infrastructure and headcount as they compete with rivals like Amazon and Microsoft. For a quick check from the street, I also Checked in with Aaron Kessler over at Raymond James. I wanted Aaron's quick take. He said this was simply strong across the board. Search up 17%. YouTube up 46%. Network sites up 23%. All accelerating year over year. Cloud roughly in line at $3.8 billion operating as a loss, as we talked about, but that was not a big surprise, Aaron says. Alphabet, he says, is a buy still at these levels, continued strength across core ad markets, and option value, he said, in emerging areas like the cloud and other bets. Melissa, back to you.
2: All right, Josh. Thank you, Josh Lipton. Uh, Tim, I think it was a couple of quarters ago we started talking about the re-rating that Mm -hmm. Alphabet might deserve. Are we still in the midst of this?
5: Oh, boy. Uh, and, and let's let's also not forget how important the appointment of Ruth Porat was. I mean, you know, she she has been part of a process at Google that's been allowing us to understand what all of these different businesses are, transparency, some better understanding, really, of how uh, not only analysts should model it, but really where, where there is strength and where there's upside. I love the fact that the YouTube uh, growth is up 46 percent on ad revenues. I think that's phenomenal. Operating margins up 28 up, uh, percent. Uh, at 28%, up from 20% a year ago. So again, uh, those are the things to me that are really exciting. The core business is what it is. And we've always said of the mega cap tech companies that Google was the cheapest. And and, and I think it still is arguably the cheapest on a on a relative basis in terms of where you have that top line growth.
2: Yeah, Bonoan, your take?
1: Listen, I'm gonna to try to make a logical leap here. And I, I will juxtapose this earnings statement versus what we've seen from so many of the other retailers that have lagged behind, Right. <laughs> that have then had to invest so much into digitalization. So Tim spoke about the YouTube numbers, but you also have autonomous, you also have investment into um, cloud computing. So what you have is, is a business that has several revenue streams, but they continue to make investment into the next wave and staying at the forefront of innovation versus being forced to pivot and alter their business strategy due to um, uh, extraneous circumstances. Hats off.
2: Yeah, Steve.
6: Yeah, it's about cloud, and the cloud growth was off the charts. They were forced to make that shift. Uh, As Tim said, YouTube is always exciting for investors, but I think people are buying the stock because of the cloud growth. This is an incredible chart. It does check back to the 50-day quite often, so I wouldn't rush in here. Let's see how it shakes out tomorrow, but it still looks uh, very bullish to me.
2: Guy, Alphabet or Facebook?
4: Alphabet. I mean, hmm. it's, it, to me, it's not even close for a number of different reasons. But we said it last quarter. We've been pretty, um, you know, we've been pretty steadfast in this. Karen, this is her biggest position. If she won, she'd be talking about it. But you can actually make an argument right now, the same way we did last quarter, that the stock is cheaper now than it was a couple hours ago. And I would say that this quarter, this fourth quarter, sets us up next year for a minimum, probably this coming year, of seventy dollars a share, if not north of eighty. And then you start putting an Apple, Microsoft multiple on it. You can do the math. You're talking about a stock which should have a floor of 2100 with an upside of 2400 And oh, by the way, again, margins are everything. Well, operating margins came in at close to 28%, which was significantly better than the street was looking for. There's nothing not to like here other than other bets, which it's funny that they call them other bets because that's exactly what they are. With that said, good for Google once again. And
2: I think, but many people would argue that other bets is nowhere in the valuation. Is that correct, Tim? That's that's not being. That's sort of like a, an extra, a bonus. Uh,
5: exactly, and that's I thought that was Guy's point, I believe. Yes. which is yeah. uh, They're called other bets. Um, you shouldn't be counting on that. But but again, talk about innovation. I would never be counting Google out, and and they are spending on innovation every day.
2: All right. The uh, stock is uh, at the after-hour session highs, up right now by about 8%. The earnings. They keep rolling in. Up next, Chipotle, the stock pulling back from record highs after reporting mixed results. The company's call, just wrapping up, will bring you all the big headlines from the quarter. Plus, much more in today's Monster Rally. Stock soaring as a Reddit rally rolled over. We will break down all the market action when Fast Money returns.
9: You seek the key.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert for you on Chipotle shares in the red, but off their after-hours lows. Let's get to Kate Rogers with the numbers. Kate.
0: Hey, Melissa, a mixed Q4 for Chipotle with EPS coming in below estimates, revenues right in line, same store sales increasing 5.7% in Q4. Digital sales always in focus with this company up 177% in the quarter to $781 just about half of sales in Q4. But for the full year, they grew 174% to $2.8 billion, also just under half of all sales for the year. Delivery accounts for about half of digital sales. Sales at this point. Chipotle says its comps were consistent in the quarter due to demand for carne asada, digital strength and benefit of delivery menu price increases. Comps improved toward the end of December and January comps grew around 11%. Now, assuming the pandemic doesn't worsen, the company is guiding for Q1 2021 comps to be in the mid to high teens. No comps guidance was given though for full year 2021 given ongoing uncertainty. But Chipotle says it is planning for about 200 restaurant openings. CEO Brian Nickel says response to new items including cauliflower rice has been really strong and the company is also testing right now quesadillas as a digital only item in a few markets and smoked brisket is also making its way through the testing process. Chipotle says it has 19.5 million loyalty members right now in its Chipotle rewards program. The stock was a pandemic winner seems to be on track to continue that trend in 2021. Given what we've seen this corner executive sounding really confident on the call and CEO Brian Nickel will be on Mad Money tonight. So Tune in for more of that, Melissa. Back yep. over to you.
2: Look forward to that. Kate, thank you. Kate Rogers. I don't know, 522 p.m. Eastern Time, listening to all the menu. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting hungry. Um, Guy Dami, what do you make of this 1.5% decline in the after-hours session?
4: <laughs> well, you know you know, you want me to say it, and I know America's wanting to say Wait, wait, wait. It. Are you going to talk? It?
2: Wait, wait. What are you going to say? Bur- something no, with the burrito? You know exactly what I'm going to say. I know gonna say, exactly what so you're going to say. So sure. you know, I'm not going to say it. I'm not saying it. You want to say? It? Go ahead, well, and say it. it
4: wasn't a burrito. It wasn't a burrito blowout, unfortunately. That's right. Actually, it was a disappointing quarter. I understand now. I mean, the digital growth is ridiculous, and the EPS growth is outstanding as well. But they missed. I mean, let's put it out there. It was a miss. I'm actually very surprised the stock isn't down more than it is. It made an all-time high during the day today, and I think it's only down marginally in the after hours. If you see the stock hang in there, it tells you all you need to know. People are betting on CMG. They say valuation be damned because you have the EPS growth to back it up. It's become, you know, Steve used to talk about this with Domino's. To a large extent, it's become a technology play. Margins were a little disappointing. But if you can't sell CMG off on the back of what is a disappointing quarter, in my opinion, that tells you all you need to know. So maybe it was a reverse burrito blowout, Mel. I don't know what a reverse, burrito yeah. you know, blow
2: blowout. I can't. I mean, my mind is reeling. It's a very vivid image, though. Um, in, in terms of the technology, they've got the technology, but also the constant menu innovation, which I think during this pandemic, Bono, and may be important because people might be fatigued ordering from Chipotle again and again. But if they can get a cauliflower or rice, you know, if that floats your boat, then, you know, you <laughs> might you might go there again.
1: Now we're talking. Be mindful of that waistline during this <laughs> pandemic scare here. Um, Yeah, listen, the (laughs) knock on this company has been valuation. I think you'll likely get a chance to buy this thing a bit cheaper. Keep in mind, though, right? Let's not let things get blown out of proportion. This has been a technology, human capital investment and innovation play. And those things, to me, are still squarely in line. Plus, you likely have some upside when we eventually do have the reopening trade. So you have a company that's proven that they can continue to operate profitably through the pandemic with some reopening spin to it. I'd look for a chance to buy on weakness.
2: All right, Coming up, <laughs> stocks surging on Wall Street today as the Reddit rally rolled over. So what is next to the retail rebellion? The traders break it all down. And we are all over this big news out of Amazon. Jeff Bezos is stepping down as CEO to become the company's executive chairman. The company's analyst call is about to kick off. We will be on it. We'll tell you what they're saying about this bombshell announcement. Keep it right here. Fast Money back in two.
9: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks surging on Wall Street today. The Dow climbing 476 points for its best day since November. All 11 S&P sectors posting gains led by financials. But check out what happened to the high-flying names like GameStock, AMC, COS, Express, and BlackBerry. They all came crashing down today. So what should we make of this market action? Um, Steve, I think there are a lot of people who are who are jumping at the chance to say this proves that all of this is over. Is it?
6: No, I, I don't think you could say it's over. It was we, we had a week. We had five days, basically. And I think the world uh, sees, the financial world sees that it's not in the same hands as it used to be. So you have a retail audience. You have more people that are really listening to the market than ever before. So I don't think you could say uh, that it's over. Now, the problem, Melissa, the reason why a lot of these names came back to earth is that there was a lot of uh, you know regulation, uh, speculation about getting locked up in these positions or not being able to buy more than one share. So I think people will and the retail audience and the retail investor will wind up going to a different brokerage house or a different stock or a different sector. So we've seen that with silver. We've seen that all over the map, but think about it this way. We have more engagement. Think about how many people are asking you and everyone else on this panel, What's going on with the marketplace? So I think the, uh, the, the resurgence or the power that we've seen in the retail community, I think, is, is, is not over at this point. We're just going to see it maybe in a different stock, different venue, different brokerage. But I think uh, regulation sort of has to simmer down here because there was a lot of fear that brought the end to these trades.
2: I think it's really interesting that a lot of sort of the more established players on Wall Street might take a look at these stock declines today and yesterday, Bono, and just assume that it's over, that this corner, in this corner of the market, the people who were invested in these stocks lost their shirts, they're out, they're going home with their tails between their legs. And, you know, a lot of people still made money off of them. And, and as Grosso had said, even if they are out of these names, there are other names out there. Do you think that these retail traders go away? Because it, it doesn't, I don't know, maybe this is just... My my observation on this whole Reddit thing and Wall Street bets, but it seems like they're they're engaged now. They are interested in the markets, even if it's not GameStop anymore or AMC anymore.
1: Uh, definitely, right, and and more trading than investing. Um, we can you know touch that, touch on that at any point. But you know what, affirmation, affirmation bias is real, and there was a lot of people that came out and said, "Listen, this is going to end bloody for retail investors. You got to save them." But here's the thing: you've got to let these situations play out organically. And as Steve mentioned, there was a lot of intervention there. So we, I mean, we'll never know how this truly would have ended, and in what time frame it would have ended if all of these other things had not come into play. The last thing I'll say is, I, you know what, I, I also pushed on the notion that These were unsophisticated or or cavalier types of trades because they weren't staked in fundamentals. This market has been away from fundamentals for some time. And what was pointed out is that you can have a fundamentally sound idea and still have breakdowns in the technical and execution aspects of the trade. And that is every bit as legitimate as having a fundamental bias. You've got to have a view and you've got to know how to adeptly execute that view. And both of those are equally important.
2: And while there are a lot of people who love fundamental analysis, I I mean, Bonna, and I think you said it right there. Fundamental analysis may not always be the right thing for every single stock in this in this stock market. And I think, you know, it was an interesting conversation that Mark Cuban had today on, on Squawk Alley uh, when he said, you know, fundamental analysis may not really matter unless you're a dividend-paying stock. There are so many stocks out there where you are basically buying a lottery ticket. Um, and I think he he said that for effect, but you're basically betting on the company going higher I mean that's what it's all about guy No.
4: yeah well and a certain part of it absolutely true I mean listen you know we we I, I think we've avoided talking saying this because I don't think it's accurate these I think Bono and just said it these weren't unsophisticated people I mean the the people or group of people behind this understood more about convexity and volatility and derivatives and leverage than people that get paid to understand it. And they saw what was going on in GameStop and they took advantage of it. Um, So, I mean, I'm a big believer in Darwinism. As long as no rules are being broken and no no laws are being broken, good for whoever was behind this. But I'm hard pressed to believe this was just the retail community. I still think it was a group or a larger group that were pulling the strings. And we're gonna find out over time. But to that point, I also think that short sellers are now going away. That's going to be problematic, and that's a conversation for another day. Right. But remember, those short positions sometimes lend themselves as a speed bump on the way down. Those speed bumps might not be there going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, the GameStop short position is down about more than 50 percent over the past week. So certainly that aspect of the story seems to be going away. But make no mis- mistake in terms of people glomming on to trades. That has, start- you know, that has gone on s- since the beginning of time, Tim, and we've seen it time and time again. We see it. With the big cap tech stocks, for that matter, what are what's on the VIP hedge fund list? It's every single big tech stock in the Nasdaq 100 all glomming onto the same trade, which is why we are where we are in terms of market concentration. I don't know. I mean, there's preach, still some people. Who, right? yes. <laughs> there's still some people who made money on this trade, regardless of whether or not they're people who glommed on.
5: So. So. Right. I mean, and, and hedge funds hunt as a pack and have been acting uh, for a long time in, in group thinks. And, and we've we've talked about this. And, and yet that there's seemingly nothing wrong with that um, or is there or. or uh, but but the, the the premise that fundamentals don't matter. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to push back every single day on that. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I do think. If we want to drill into GameStop, um, we can talk about some of the catalysts to uh, board changes and whatnot and and you know, but 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 ultimately, um, I, I do believe that at least the decline of the company 's business was fundamental and and um, I, I think as far as the market, the great irony here is that Um, Think about the market in terms of how many people have come on our show in the last 10 years um, that largely are either short sellers or people that have been very critical uh, of the market environment and said it's all been propped up by the Fed. Well, guess what? Here we are 10 years later um, where, you know, the fundamentals of either uh, traditional valuation metrics no longer work. And and so I think, you know, I, I do buy it from a market's perspective because, again, market rationality or irrationality, we have seen this and we're going to continue to see it. But I I do think that ultimately fundamentals on a stock-specific basis are going to be buoying how people uh, should be uh, investing in stocks.
2: But I think that's a good point. If you don't like GameStop, maybe you should blame it on Jerome Powell. Uh, Coming up, more on the big news out of Amazon. Founder Jeff Bezos is stepping down as CEO. The company's earnings call just kicked off. We're dialed in. We'll tell you what they're saying. But first, all month long, CNBC is celebrating Black History Month by honoring some of our own contributors. Here's CNBC contributor Halima Croft on the trailblazers that came before her. Think about the sacrifices that
3: generations before us made that put us in the position that we are now. I think about everyone who participated in the Montgomery bus boycotts and what they went through. And so whenever I'm feeling down, I just remind myself that I'm standing on their shoulders and I have the obligation to push forward because they blaze such a path for me and for you as well.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon's call is now underway. We will uh, keep you abreast of what they're saying about Bezos stepping down as CEO as we get it. Meantime, it is time for a trader triple play. The three big stock moves on our radar today. Let's kick things off with Alibaba reporting better than expected earnings. Sales surged last quarter and its cloud division turned a profit for the first time ever. It wasn't, though, enough to help the stock. Baba closing lower today. Um, Tim, there were some concerning comments or maybe some very s- serious comments about the future of Ant Financial, for instance. What would you make of the whole thing?
5: Well, as we've talked about, on it, you know, as far as Ant Financial and the valuation implied in, in Alibaba right now, it, it's, it's not in the price. Um, I think it's, it's optionality, and I don't think it should be. I think it actually, there is intrinsic value there. But, but I, I think there's been a misunderstanding of the regulatory dynamics in China. And while Jack Ma at times certainly has put pressure on himself, um, I think the things that Alibaba are suffering from in terms of regulatory headwinds will work themselves out and that the regulator needs to do what they're doing. Um, the story today on earnings was look, great that the cloud business is growing. Uh, There's definitely was some margin pressure. It's interesting that their other bets uh, part of uh, uh, the revenue stream is, is something that also was a bit of a disappointment and a little bit more important there. But uh, a name I'm long. Look, you've, you've gotten back up to this 255, 260 area. There is a little bit of short term resistance. But I think this is all about perception on the stock and a discount that's been put on it based upon, uh, I-, I think, more sovereign risk than anything else.
2: All right, uh, let's move on to Exxon. The oil giant reporting a $20 billion last, uh, loss last quarter. It's fourth straight quarterly loss, but the company was able to beat on the bottom line. Shares moving higher on the day. They did come out and very strongly reaffirmed its commitment to the dividend, saying that it, if it ever got into the situation where oil moved back down to 45 bucks a barrel, it would, it would, be, it would defend the dividend and cut spending. Um, Guy, what's your take? Is that the kind of oil company you want to be in?
4: If at all. I don't think so. I don't know why they need. To, yeah, I don't know why they need to make comments like that. And do you need to be in it? Needed to be in it back in October, November when we were talking about it. Um, and, and we said a long time that that 31 low was a huge double bottom, gave you huge opportunity to the upside when nobody's paying attention. And then you had Exxon taken out of, believe it was the Dow if memory serves, and that actually sell off lasted a day. Look where it just traded up to. You talk about a huge double bottom. Now you have a pretty huge double top in the form of 50 and change which is where we topped out at back in June. Uh, I think this stock heads back to the high 30s, low 40s, and I don't really necessarily need Exxon telling me that they will defend it in an environment where oil goes lower. I don't think, in, in 2021, I don't think that's the rhetoric, not the rhetoric. I don't think those are the statements we need to hear.
2: All right, let's round out the triple play with UPS. The stock is higher on an earnings speed. revenues jumping to a record high. Our own Jim Cramer just sat down with UPS CEO Carol Tomei. Here's what she had to say.
3: For the first time in a long time, our revenue grew, grew faster than our volume. That's what we mean when we say better, not bigger. And we were able to do that while delivering excellent service in this holiday peak time. And I was really happy with the productivity that we showed on the bottom line. So we are positioning this company for some really great things.
2: Full interview is next on Mad Money, top of the hour. Meantime, Bonwin, what did you make of the move?
1: Listen, I think it was generally a strong quarter, but this name has been trading sideways, I think, since, you know, July or August, maybe September, you know, at the latest, you know, and I I love the story. Right. And she points out that, listen, essentially revenue has outgrown volume or has has grown at a greater rate. Then volume, but my question is, what is the next thing that takes this leg forward? We've spoken about the B two B versus C two C margin of the business there. We've talked about the tailwinds of having COVID. Uh, for me, I'm just still scratching my head in terms of what is going to be the thing that takes this thing to the next leg higher and breaks through uh, uh, resistance levels that we've seen over the last six months or
2: so. All right. Coming up, the Amazon call is underway. We're 12 minutes in. We're monitoring it. We'll bring you all the big headlines surrounding Jeff Bezos stepping down as CEO, now executive chairman, starting in the third quarter. Later, PayPal and Rally Mode are options traders paying up for this name ahead of earnings. we got the trade and much more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon's call is underway. They are taking questions right now, so let's get back to Deirdre Bosa, D. Melissa, I thought
3: this may finally be the quarter that we might actually hear from Jeff Bezos himself or perhaps Andy Jassy. Not the case. We are, as usual, hearing from CFO Brian Olsowski. A quick statement on the leadership change before they went to Q&A. He said that those of us who know Andy are excited to see him take on these responsibilities. We're excited that Jeff Bezos, that is, will retain an important role at the company. He has created a culture of innovation. We remain bound by our common focus and obsession on the customer Then they went to Q&A. And guess what? The first question wasn't actually on the leadership change, which maybe tells us that the street is pretty comfortable with this change and they think that it's going to be pretty seamless. Um, So we'll continue to listen and bring you any questions that we do here on this transition. Back to you.
2: All right, Deidre. Thank you, Deidre the Fast Money friend Gene Munster is still with us. Gene, if you if you had a crack at uh, asking about Jassy, since you said that you didn't know him, what what would you want to know? It's interesting that it is extremely assumed. There's a certain level of comfort across the street with this guy taking over.
7: If uh, I would ask a question that they would actually answer, there's two different (laughs) things there, but uh, I would ask what's the difference in style between the two of them and how do they think about the world differently? There's obviously a lot of similarities it'd be fun to to frame in uh, that difference. And I just want to highlight another point that Deirdre made. The first question was about international sales. Mm-hmm. Second question was about AWS. So um, I think investors are kind of uh, uh, really focusing on the fundamentals.
2: Um, in terms of the uh, question about the quarter, Gene, that you would ask, what would you ask?
7: Uh, just about that spend in the infrastructure. And yeah. I, it really hit me. In their prepared remarks, they talked about the number of hires in the quarter, 175,000 hires a lot of these are seasonal hires in this december quarter compares to fifty thousand a year ago they talked about increasing in 2020 the capacity of their fulfillment centers by 50 percent this obviously was a difficult year to be expanding uh but uh, what that really tells me is uh you know i don't know how you justify the valuation but also i don't know how you think anything more than this company is going to continue to dominate the infrastructure that they're doing It's just most impressive. If you gave me a lot of money and said, go compete with Amazon, I would return it to you immediately.
2: (laughs) All right, Gene, thank you. We'll let you get returned to the phone call. Uh, Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Um, Steve Grasso, what would you want to know about Andy Jassy? Um, And, you know, I reached out to Jeff Sonnenfeld, who of course is our friend and expert over at the Yale School of Management. He's an expert in, in CEO leadership in particular. And he said that there are many examples of founders going on to play, uh, you know, important roles of companies as executive chairman. Bill Gates, Howard Schultz, Andy Grove, Larry Ellison. He said there's about 30 other examples of these CEOs stepping back to take sort of a more ambassadorial role and it worked out pretty well for the companies.
6: Yeah, I think it can work out uh, pretty well. Obviously jobs to, to Tim Cook everyone thought that was going to be the end of the world for Apple and Tim Cook has probably done a better job. Uh, He has done a better job as far as stock performance is concerned. But uh, the question I would ask is how do you keep this retail operation moving forward? Because obviously we know what his focus has been. What does he see? What what will he bring that will bring a new voice, a new vision for the retail arm of it? What, What does he see What's his next agenda? What is his, his next new product when it comes to the retail side?
2: Well, you know, when I heard the, the, when I heard the news and I saw that everybody was so comfortable with this guy taking over, um, Guy, I thought about the scenarios under which people might not be so comfortable uh, with Andy Jassy taking over, and, and I thought immediately, and don't, don't at me for this. This is just a thought <laughs> that I'm putting out there. I mean, is a breakup the co- of the company in the cards? No,
4: I don't think. So. What? I mean, okay. I, I, listen. I, I'm I immediately not think you. of I you know, immediately think
2: of structural changes when I think of a CEO change. What possible structural changes could happen that could be a tape bomb?
4: Right, and it's funny. It just goes to show. Once this is uh, example one thousand eight hundred over the years of why you're smarter than I am. I thought of the great movie Armageddon, obviously, <laughs> and Ben Affleck taking over for Harry Stamper, if you recall. And that worked out pretty well because they're able to get the nuclear device in, the asteroid, and save the world. So sometimes you need new blood with new ideas to come in and shake things up. So good for Bruce Willis, good for Harry Stamper, good for Ben Affleck, and good for Amazon, by the way.
2: I'm going to have to put Armageddon on my uh, to-watch list. Uh, coming Please, up, go to Blockbuster this weekend. Yeah, I will. Options traders are betting that a trade in PayPal will pay off the details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Quite a few big names still on deck to report this week. Qualcomm, Ford, Activision, Blizzard, and Regeneron all still to come. But Bonwin spotted some interesting options activity in PayPal ahead of tomorrow's reports. Bonwin, what'd you see?
1: Interesting indeed. So uh, calls and puts were roughly in line, and that's not insignificant, particularly when we've seen this wave of upside call buying that seems to be in vogue at the moment. I'll jump ahead to the options implied um, move. Options are implying about a 7% move in either direction between now and Friday. Compare that to about 5 and 3 quarters, 6% of what we've seen over the last four fiscal quarters. And the trade that really jumped off the tape to me, about uh, 3,000 or so. Of the 250 calls expiring this Friday traded for about 770, putting your break even at 257.70 or 103.5% of spot. I will also mention that we did see about 2,500 or so of the 230 puts trade. So, yes, there's still some bullish sentiment going into earnings, but this seems to be a much more measured approach than we've seen in some of the other peer names.
2: All right. Thanks for that, Bono in. Tim, what do you make of PayPal
5: um you know i one of my colleagues likes to say let your winners run and and you know that's a, a mistake i've made with paypal i mean this is a case of a company that continues to re-rate and and I, I think a lot of people have also gone to the valuation argument on this one i i think when you look at the COVID environment obviously the the winning hand that paypal brings to the table why that was accentuated why that was accelerated um, companies continues to be a dominant player around the world, especially where banking is, uh, you know, has less infrastructure. So, um, don't own the name. Uh, wish I was still in the name. Uh, don't like the valuation. Incredible company.
2: You mentioned re-rating, and part of that is because of Bitcoin and, and the view that people who go onto the app to buy Bitcoin will do other transactions on PayPal, which will help uh, the bottom line. Steve, where do you stand on PayPal?
6: I, I, I like it. And I like the whole space. I mean, look at the history of Square. Square's in that same uh, space. It's a, a, it's a competitor to PayPal. But Bitcoin has definitely been a tailwind to this, as well as the pandemic and everything else. But I would assume that these things can continue to move higher. So I like the space, even, even with the valuation, as Tim uh, pointed out.
2: All right. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That, of course, is Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up next, we've got your final trades. It is time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour.
5: As if following the two-week delay trade, banks after earnings now finally starting to kick in. Yield curve helping them. J.P. Morgan, best of breed with the banks.
2: Steve Grosso.
6: BFT was knocked down about 25% simply because GME traded
1: higher. This one's going to be back at 20 very quickly. BFT.
2: Bono and Eisen.
1: Speaking of technical or mechanical trades, mark it down 1.7%, 1, 1. VIX at 35. Mark up the same amount, VIX at 25. I don't care if you do it in VIX, VXX, futures or options, get long some volatility.
2: Hmm. Guy Downey.
4: A few things. I'm sorry that I'm filming from inside the fireplace, number one. Number two, I paid for this haircut with my Venmo account. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up, Melms, because it's a great haircut. Get your money back. Ben Affleck, by the way, <laughs> reached out. Ben wants to come on the show. Huge fan of Fast Money. Ben, anytime you want. And you buy FireEye on this weakness after earnings. I think it's down too much F-E-Y-E.
2: I hope there's no fire in that fireplace. Thanks for watching Fast Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now.
9: What's on the horizon for financial markets?